Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please make sure you download the app, the Veritas app. Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And, of course, Joe and I are all over social media. So Rumble, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you see our ugly mugs, just like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Help us out. So today... Uh, we're very pleased and honored to be welcoming to the program, uh, um, excuse me, Professor Bill Madison. And we're going to be talking about his new book, Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. And that's available um, at Emmaus Road Publishing. And we always emphasize that you buy not only support our Catholic authors, but also our Catholic publishers. So please uh, buy it from the publisher. But Bill will also tell us where else you could buy it from if you need to go to Amazon, perhaps. Yeah, right. um, and some of you out there. Uh, no, Professor Madison, but having said that, he completed his doctoral studies at the University of Notre Dame. He spent two years as a visiting assistant professor at, at Notre Dame and another two at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg, Maryland, before joining the faculty at the Catholic University of America's School of Theology and Religious Studies. Uh, Bill spent 10 years at the Catholic University of America after tenure. He served as associate dean for undergraduate studies and one year as interim dean of the School of Theology and Religious Studies. He also began to write and speak on Catholic higher education. He returned to Notre Dame in 2016 with a joint appointment as Wilsey Family Associate Professor in the Department of Theology, as well as Senior Advisor for Theological Formation in the Alliance for Catholic Education, where he uh, helps prepare Catholic school teachers. Professor Bill Madison, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Joe and Joe, great to be here. Great to hear your New York voices, too. It's like growing hey. up in uh, Long Island. It's like being home. Yeah, we're just on the other side of the river, but that's okay. We're all that's from all right. that, same, that's all right. that same metropolitan area. Nobody's perfect. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why did I have a feeling you Long Island guys, you were going to say that. So Joe Resinello, let's get started. We're going to have a great conversation today. Bill, we always start with a prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, mm -hmm. O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the word incarnate, despise not of petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. Well, Bill, before we get into the book, a couple things. I'll give you a little insight into the show, my planning. Before every single interview, we've been doing this for three years, I play, I pray nine memoraries and I play a novena to St. Joseph. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit. And I, I mean that with this because I love talking about the gospel. 
That I yeah. just want you to know that I really, really love talking about the gospel. So mm-hmm. I, I anticipate a great show. That's one. Two, mm-hmm. you went to Notre Dame. Joe went to Seton Hall. I went to Scranton. We're all around the same age. I've been to Notre Dame twice. My first job, I worked for a person who went to Notre Dame. And this is my experience. You guys love it. I have never seen people Ah, in my entire life that love a school like my boss, Paul DiGitano. He was the speaker of the assembly in New Jersey. He ran for governor. He was an aerospace engineer. He talked about Notre Dame like it was like heaven, like he wanted his ashes spread. I talk to me about that. I I, I mean, I like Scranton. Joe went to Seton Hall. I I get it. I have never met alumni that love a campus like Notre Dame ever. Hey, Matt, that's so true. Listen, like our families, it ain't perfect. You know, there's plenty that, you know, could be done better at Notre Dame and mistakes it makes. But for some reason, it does inculcate this love of the place and this sense of community. And look, the academics are great. You know, the football is fun. But I really think the secret sauce of the place is the residential life system. You know, students are randomly placed into residence halls and they stay there for all four years unless they move off campus their last one. So unlike a normal college where you have freshman dorms and sophomore dorms, your your, your residence hall is kind of like your family. It's like your intramural sports team. It's people you hang out with and first meet. So I, I, there's just a sense of community that the place inculcates that's spectacular. And then it's a place where, you know, you can be um, normal and faithful. You know, you can be athletic and have fun and be care about your studies, but also like, you know, there's there's dorm mass every night in the chapels and there's mass on Sundays right in your dorm. So it's a it's, it's a really a blessed place. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. If you're just joining us here at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, we're, we're going to be discussing uh, Professor Bill Madison's new book, Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. That's available at Emmaus Road Publishing. So let's Let's jump in. And Joe's right. You know, one thing is that Joe and I, we're, we're not trying to be overly critical, but a lot of times when people are talking about the Gospels, they're talking in very muted tones. And, and it's like, you know, no, no, the Gospels are the Gospels. All right. There's there there's there's all these things going on and Jesus going here and going there. And he's saying these harsh things. And yet he's saying these beautiful things. And he's got these 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 12 blue collar guys. You know, you know, following him, you know, screwing up. Okay, that's the way Joe and I feel. We're a couple of screw-ups, <laughs> right. but Jesus said he pointed to us, like in the Caravaggio painting. You know, when right. they did the Saint Matthew, he pointed to us, and we, we both went, "Me, really? That's you want right. me to do this?" Right. But, 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 yeah, it's not just lip service, and we've all heard it a million times, and it's true. We have to proclaim it, particularly in America. We live gospel values. That's our standard. That's, that's what right. we aspire to. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Okay. Let's start with the foundation, Bill Madison, prayer. We read that this book that you just wrote is the fruit of your prayer life, okay? So we'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, no, I'd love to talk about that. So a couple of things. First of all, let me just say something about my prayer life. I wonder if you and your uh, listeners will resonate. I I don't think there's a single thing in my life that's as much like this dynamic. I know the Lord calls me to pray. I know every time I do that um, he's faithful in there. And my life is better. I see things more clearly. God sustains me at difficulty. And yet I continually don't do it at times. Like, why is that? You know, it's kind of like exercise or eating right, but obviously far more important that God is always inviting us to a prayer life, to, you know, relationship with him. 
And every single time I respond to that invitation, it's life-giving. And yet sometimes I don't. So, so just to qualify what I'm about to say with that. Um, the um, By the way, one more thing to say on that. One of my favorite gospel passages is from uh, Luke 11, where the disciples ask Jesus, hey, Lord, teach us to pray like John did for his disciples. Um, one of the things I love about that is like it's the 11th chapter of Luke. Like they've had the sermon on the plane. They've seen miracles. They've, been, they've left everything to follow the guy. And here they are, you know, in the presence of Jesus himself saying, teach us how to pray. So just like you said, when you began, you know, these, we like the apostles, normal people that God and God's love for us invites to be in relationship with him, animated by his spirit, you know, his instruments and in service to the world. But, you know, it, it, he call, he qualifies the called. He certainly doesn't call the qualified. So anyway, all that said, the short answer is, um, um, I've, I had a Jesuit with spiritual director a few years ago. You know, I know Joe, Joe R went to Scranton. He knows the Jesuits well. And uh, this guy, Father Brian Daly, a living saint, um, led me in the 19th annotation of the spiritual exercises. That's the famous retreat book by St. Ignatius. And one of the primary means that you do your prayer is you kind of read the scripture, a gospel story, you stay with it, you read it over and over, you imagine yourself in the story. And what I started to do in my kind of prayer journaling was like write accounts of me being one of the characters in the story, like the woman at the well, or, you know, Peter, when, um, you know, he walked, when Jesus walks on water or whatnot, and trying to describe what that was like to encounter Jesus that way. And I, I shared it with a few friends. They seemed to like it. I wrote more, prayed more. It was a nice dynamic. And it eventually became this book of what is essentially 20 chapters. Each one is a gospel story. And then an imaginative first-person reflection from the perspective of one of the characters who looks back on it in hindsight. So that, that's how the book came about. Yeah, one, one of the things I, you know, we've spoken about on the show before is uh and I, I mentioned one of the things I try to do when I pray the rosary is I, I and I learned this I didn't know this I, I like we're all learning Bill we Joe and I see on the show that we have you and other guests on the show because we're learning we're trying to impart something to our audience I had heard it's a really good idea to do what you just said um I know I do it with the rosary but now I'm going to start to do it with the gospel in general mm -hmm. is make myself one of the characters if I, if, right. if, if I'm, if I'm, if, if, if it's the, the reflecting on the, the third joyful mystery and it's the nativity of our Lord. Okay. Right. I'm one of the, I'm one of the guys in the barn or in the cave, you know, I'm, right. I see the light coming off the baby's head. I was like, Whoo, yeah. <laughs> you know, there must be something special about it. You know, and, and, yeah. and again, I'm not just, you know, saying that it's very, I find it to be very helpful. Um, when when you do that it, it, to, to enter more deeply i would say this though you mentioned i'm going to hand it over to joe uh so we could get a little bit more specifically into the book one of the things i know about prayer you mentioned how you see more clearly um one of the things i notice is that through prayer we see ourselves more clearly i think that's you know like the the the, the, the it gets turned on you so that god is showing you look this is what this is what you have to do better you have to you have to strive and this is what you have to do what are your thoughts on that bill yeah, I, um, so I totally agree. We see ourselves better. And most importantly, we see God better. And I always think fundamentally what we see is God's kind of unfathomable, unconditional, life-giving love for us. And that's not just a warm, fuzzy thing. When Christ encounters sinners in the gospel as he encounters us, the two things that always happen, it's like a mini Paschal mystery. There's like this crushing sense of, oh, good Lord, I'm not good enough. You know, whether it's Peter or whether it's the woman crying at his feet, but there's a simultaneously kind of rejoicing and realization that God kind of puts that away from us, like the East to the West. And he doesn't, 
he wants us to acknowledge our sin to, you know, that's, that's who we are, but just to get rid of it and just kind of be more alive with him. So there's like this twofold dynamic. You don't want to rest in your awareness of your sinfulness, true though it is. There's always a call beyond that. And that's what I've, I feel like when I'm true to my, to God's call in prayer that he gets me with that. Absolutely. So if you're just joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, Professor Bill Madison of Notre Dame, we're talking about Follow Me, his new book, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels, available at Emmaus Road. Joe Resinello. I want to break down a couple concepts. Believe in me and follow me. Mm-hmm. Christ says, follow me. That's what discipleship is, a follower. I think that's very important. Um, a little insight into me. Um when I was in high school, a friend of mine used to say, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. That's kind of how my life, the arc of my life has been. I am not attracted to lukewarm Catholicism. I'm going to be completely honest with you. In fact, it nauseates me. It really does. Um, it really does. And Jesus is not just looking for someone who says, I believe in you. Well, okay, you believe in him. So then show me. And you show him by following him our lives after we hear the gospel the priest or the deacon says now go into the world and proclaim it by your life that's how we follow jesus Mm -hmm. so if we're not doing that i think we're in for a surprise when we stand before our lord he'll be Mm -hmm. like i don't know you like 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 and we don't want to hear that now, do we do it perfectly? No, I sure as heck don't, but I try. I don't. But my point yeah. is we got to follow them. Talk about the difference okay. between the two. Yeah, I, I love how you um, referenced the I didn't know you from Matthew 7 and the Sermon on the Mount when people are like, we said, Lord, Lord. He says, I didn't know you. And then remember, it's right after that that he says, you want to be like the person who hears my word and does it because then the house is built on rock. You know, it's it's strong. It can weather the storm. You don't want to be like the person who hears my word and doesn't do it. So Christ's injunction to not only like hear him and even say we believe him, but actually to follow him. I mean, that's that's everywhere. And that's totally true. One of the things I think is cool about that invitation to follow him is that I think sometimes we want to see things clearly and then we'll like then we'll get on with it. Um, but I, I think when Christ calls us to follow him, what he's saying is that you're not going to see it until you dive in. You know, it's kind of like being married. You can't hold off and be like, I want to know everything about my spouse or I you know, want everything to be perfect and then I'll get on with it. You, you got to commit yourself and, and to your children, to your spouse, to your friends, you know, deep relationships where we enter into mystery with someone. We got to give of ourselves and then, then it becomes open to us. So what's amazing, as you know, Joe, is he constantly calls us to follow him. You know, he, of course, he wants us to believe, but but it's not just believing, it's following him. Um, one of my favorite times that that passage comes up, by the way, follow me is like all over the scriptures, right? That's why the book is called that. One of my favorite ones is in John 21, the very end of John's gospel, when he's talking to Peter. And remember, he says, do you love me more than these? And, you know, someone's eventually going to string you up one day. And he says all that. And then the last words of that story, after the whole gospel, his death and resurrection, he goes, follow me. Like, can you imagine the guy he's going to build his church on who's encountered the risen Lord? He still has to enjoin him to follow me. So when we, he, God never tires of asking us that, and we should never tired of, you know, picking ourselves up and keep responding and, and trying to follow him. Professor Bill Madison, we promise we won't get you in too much trouble here at the front line with Joe and Joe, but I want to comment on that. Joe Joe and I are respectfully critical of the sola scriptura view of Christianity, okay? I do not see how anyone could read the Bible. I do not and say that your works don't matter. 
that the things that Jesus calls you to do, okay, and says it so clearly, all right, especially in uh, uh, one of the gospel passages um, where he says, uh, depart from me, I don't know you because you didn't right. feed the poor, you didn't clothe the naked, you didn't That's do right. these things, and those who he embraces because they did. I can't get it through my head, and I've had. That's why I can't. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I can't really talk to many evangelicals because, because a lot of times I want to I, I want to shake them by the collar and say, "You take the Bible literally. Why don't you take that literally?" And this goes back mm -hmm. to what we're talking about about following, doing. Yeah. Yes, what you do matters, and it's Jesus that says so. If you take mm -hmm. the Bible literally, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. All right, so you're going to get like professor answer here. Sorry. So, you know, no, like, no, it's okay. So, That's okay. All right. Love so, it. professor answer to this is look, I think um, good Protestant faithful want to recognize that the primacy is always on God's grace and gift, and that we do, they know we have to follow him, they know we have to live on it. They just are super careful about not thinking you earn anything or you do it first. They want to, you know, good Protestant thinkers basically say, look, God invites you first. And they're right on that. But of course, you're right. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's all over the Gospels. You can't follow the Lord and not give to those in need or lay down your life for other people or love the Lord and love each other, you know, as yourself. Like it, his it call to action is all over the Gospels. It's just not Madison, let me yeah. Let me interject real quick. Didn't St. Paul, St. Paul said, don't boast of your works, but he didn't say don't do them. That's right. He said, just don't exactly boast right. of them. And I think that that's the essence of that. I don't look at God after I, like Joe and I have worked with the Sisters of Life, uh, the Franciscan Sisters of Renewal. Joe has done a ton of work with the missionaries and charity. We don't do these things and then look to God and say, hey, look at me, look that's what right. I did. No, that's Paul right. said, don't boast of it, but he never said, don't do it. And that is exactly the right balance. That's exactly right. I mean, what else to say? That's completely right. Awesome. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, like yeah. I said, we're not, we're not trying to Thank get you too for much trouble. <laughs> Professor Bill Madison joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, the book, Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. Real quick, Bill, um, other than Emmaus Road Publishing, where else can our audience members buy your book? So I'm not allowed to say Amazon? No, you, you, can. you can, you can. The Notre Dame Bookstore, um, wherever fine Christian books are sold. All yeah. right, there awesome. You go. Good, good. Catholic Joe Rasinello, where do you want to go? Just, uh, you know, I'm banned from Amazon. That's a story for another day. The rest <laughs> oh, of right? yeah, we're banned. Just so okay. you know. What did you do now, Joe? A story for another day. Uh, what's it called? As far as uh, encountering the Lord, obviously mm -hmm. the book is an aid for that. We all want to encounter God, right. but that's easier said than done. And I want to mm -hmm. illustrate that for you. Uh, and then you please respond. Um, you mentioned a Jesuit. A Jesuit that helped form me in my life was Lawrence Abello. I met him in India. Mm -hmm. um, he taught at St. Francis College in India. He was a, a philosopher and a physicist. I don't know if I've ever met a smarter guy. Let me yeah. just say that honestly. Um, and he would give talks, formation talks. So I went with my friend Emilio, who was also a scientist from Spain, infinitely smarter than me. That's not a big thing to <laughs> claim, but he was infinitely. Mm -hmm. And I assumed he would hear. We went to hear what Father Abel had to say. And then we went to lunch and I assumed it was like brilliance. And I said to him at lunch, I was like, Emilio, that was just amazing. Like, like he defended God, like the way Thomas Aquinas did without using, you know, God, right. almost like just pure logic. It was perfect. It, it couldn't have been more perfect. Emilio looks at me square in the face and he says, I don't agree with his calculus. I was like, how? 
Like yeah. how? There's no one on earth that could have laid that out better. My point is, what's the obstacles there? And this is my opinion, and I want mm -hmm. yours. I think yeah. it's sin. I think, to be honest with you, and I'm not picking on Emilio. I just talked to him. We're still friends. Um, and he does an amazing work. I don't even think he's a practicing Catholic. This is just to, for people like he's not married. He gives of himself monetarily. I mean, it's amazing what he does. I just want to throw mm -hmm. that out there. But the point is, I think we have to follow the John the Baptist model. What did he say? Repent and believe the gospel. And I think this is at the crux of what's going on in the church right now. The arguments. How mm. do we have people encounter the Lord? You see, I believe what John the Baptist says. We have to first acknowledge what we've done wrong. And then our eyes, we see. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then we encounter God. It doesn't work the opposite way. I think mm -hmm. it's a false uh, interpretation of accompaniment. That's a word gets thrown around all the time. No, you're not going to encounter God unless you first en encounter yourself. This mm -hmm. is my opinion, but I've seen yeah. this happen and I've seen transitions. It, it happened to me. Talk about it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, look, I, I don't know. Do you, do you not going to encounter God until you first repent? I, I think I want to slightly say it's like the opposite order. It's God's gift of making himself known to us that leads us to repent. Like, you know, you ever, like you, you heard when you heard this guy give a talk, you're so wowed, it makes you feel small and you realize the littleness of yourself. Or I remember I went to World Youth Day in 1993 in Denver, and I'd never seen anything like that. The Pope, Pope John Paul II coming in a helicopter, people going nuts at Maya High Stadium. And I felt like I was in the presence of true holiness, you know? Well, imagine being in the in the presence of the living God, you know, like the, the, the characters in the Gospels with Jesus. I think there's something about beauty and truth and holiness, ultimately God, that when we encounter that, that that's when we're empowered to repent. You know, repenting is not just a matter of self-loathing. It's a matter of wanting to get rid of the crap in our lives that holds us back from being in union with God and other people. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's any different than what you're saying or if it's a different emphasis, but well, you know, I, like I think what that, you say because yeah. God actually puts that mirror in front of us. His hand yeah. is always there. But what I don't think is going to be efficacious is say, uh, 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 you know, I'm married. I have five kids. Say I have a girlfriend yeah. and I'm wow. you know, like, you know, and I'm not telling my wife and and I'm going through the motions of praying, going to church. And and I have no intention of we know it's wrong. I have right. no intention of changing. Am I really mm -hmm. going to encounter God like like obviously he loves me, but I've chosen to put a wall in front of him by my actions. Right. right. Yeah. So am I really going to encounter God? Now I'm going to flip it. A priest knows that. OK, he knows what I'm doing. He sees mm -hmm. me out. Isn't it his job to address that? Not publicly, but to say to me, you right. know, Joe, listen, you got five kids, you got a wife, and you got a girlfriend, and you're coming to church, you're receiving the Eucharist, which is Jesus himself. How can't that, like, to me, that's a layup. That's part of the job. And that's a layup, if that's Joe. not going on, I'm not going to encounter God. That's not accompaniment. Right. And that right. is the crux of the arguments that are going on in the church right now. And to be honest with you, Bill, I didn't go to Notre Dame. I didn't go to the Gregorian. I went to Harvard on the Hudson. My father was a barber. And I know that. 
I know that my mother didn't go to college when my brother, who's not a practicing Catholic, tried to walk up to receive the Eucharist. And what she said to him, no, no, Matt, you sit back down. Mm -hmm. How does she know that? And a guy that speaks five ancient languages and went to the Gregorian has 65 doctorates. Don't I don't get it, Bill. You can maybe tell me. No, that is a layup. What's, what's there to get there? That's a layup, you know? But like the, the case you use is kind of an easy one. It's so clearly like mortally sinful. It's like, I mean, like that's, but you know, the tougher one is like, I know a lot of our listeners as, as I do as a father of an 18 year old and a 15 year old, you know, I hope and I pray, I pray that my kids are going to take up the faith, you know, that receive this gift that's offered them. Right. And I, I frankly, I'm scared at times they won't, and, you know, is that my fault? Have I done enough and all? And, um, you know, as sometimes happens, you know, you you want to invite the kids to come to mass during the week or, hey, I'm going to confession. You want to go that kind of balance of, you know, this is where I think the good a sense of accompaniment is. There are there are times when you want to kind of walk with them and hope that the transformation and the encounter with God is happening through time. It happens with all of us through time. God isn't just he doesn't just make us and it's done with us. Think of the times in your life or mine where, you know, God waited patiently on us. So there is a time to kind of wait patiently and set a good witness. I mean, the one you mentioned, frankly, is not one of them, right? That's like you said, that's a layup. But in, in more delicate circumstances where there's an invitation there and there's a balance between forcing people to do something that's eventually going to drive them away versus setting a good witness and hopefully being a, you know, an instrument of the spirit and God bringing people to where he wants them. So I, I think that's the better use of accompaniment. But, you know, the ones that you're talking about, that that's a no brainer. Well, no, I, yeah. I also think like an just like Joe, like ahead, in Joe. terms of encountering the Lord is at adoration because adoration is it's it's not confrontational in the sense, but in a way it is because mm -hmm. it's not like me talking to someone like to, but God is confrontational because he loves you. And when you stand before the Lord, that is an encounter. That's where I always invite people, even like right. you, you don't even have to be a, a, like a believer. Come to adoration. It's a true encounter. Holiness is an encounter. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that at World Youth Day. This yeah. is how we break down the walls of people who don't want to hear because holiness is also in your face. It's like the mm -hmm. sun. When you encounter someone that's holy, it's almost like the Dracula movie. You're almost like, oh, like stay away from me. Like, like, because like if you're in a bad way, that person, and it's not even like overt. Like, it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. These are encounters. And I think that is what we as church have to do better. We mm -hmm. have to live. And this is me. And this is what I try to do. I'll be honest with you. I think we have to live radical in your face Catholic lives in the public square, unapologetic, fueled by prayer and and That's let it. God emanate through us. That's the encounter the church yeah. needs your thoughts. So that the, what you said at the end, through prayer, let God emanate through us, that is the key for it. So I think at, at the end of the day, um, God is invitational to us. In God's mercy, he did not just make us be who he wants us to be. Why he didn't do that? Would it have been easier if he did? I don't know why he didn't do that. But apparently that was not his choice. He wanted to invite us to respond to him, this invitation to follow me. And that means people can at times or won't at times. So anyway, granting that, that that's God's way. What is the best way to kind of be uh, instruments of his spirit in doing that? I think the number one thing that can be an impediment to us people of faith who out of good intentions want to share the good news and the gift we've been given is to want to force it. 
you know, like we, because like we love our kids or because we love our faith we, and we see it so life-giving, we want to like make it happen in other people. The problem is that's not the way that God chose to, to invite us. So it shouldn't be the way we choose. And more disturbingly, it kind of betrays a fundamental distrust at the end of the day that God is God and God has a plan and God is working on things. So when you said at the end, be rooted in prayer and trust in God's agency, that will radicalize our lives through God's grace and God's help. So everything you're saying about being radical is right. But let's just at the end of the day, not make it about us or fear or trying to control or force other people, because that's not God's way. It will be radical. All the stuff you're saying about being radical is right, but it'll always be through God's grace and you know, nourished by prayer. If you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we're being joined by Professor Bill Madison. We're discussing his new book, Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. So that's available. Bill, that's available. At, we're going to take a quick break, but that's available at Emmaus Road uh, Publishing. It's available at Amazon. It's available at Notre Dame Bookstore. Um, so please, but particularly try to support Notre Dame's bookstore and Emmaus Road Publishing. If you got to buy it from Amazon, go ahead. The important thing is you buy the book, please go out and buy the book and read the book, um, and share it with your friends. We're going to take a quick break here, um, at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Download the apps, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And of course, wherever you see Joe and I on social media, uh, hit something, a like, a subscribe, a share, all that fun stuff. Stick around. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach with Professor Bill Madison, and we are discussing his new book, uh, Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. It's available at Emmaus Road Publishing. Bill, let me ask you a question. When I, after having strayed far away from the faith, okay, not to another faith, just wasn't practicing, just wasn't yeah. doing it, had no interest. As Joe mentioned, uh, I had other interests, and most of it involved things that wouldn't be considered holy. Um, but God saved me. He called me. All right. I didn't, ask, you know, I wasn't even asking. He gave it to me and he said, follow me. All right. Now, one of the things that we love to think we're going to do is you're going to pick up the Bible, drop it on the table. You're going to start mm -hmm. with Genesis. You're going to end with Revelation. Doesn't work that way. I got no. exhausted after the first couple of chapters, but then I said, okay, let me read the new Testament. Let me, let me start with the new Testament. But I, and I'm going somewhere with this. I was afraid. I was afraid. I did not. I was at the point in my life. I didn't want to hear Jesus's words because I knew they were going to be challenging. Now, instead, not not so much less challenging was I started with St. Paul and worked my way through mm. the letters. And after wow. that, then I started to read the gospel. Having said that, my point is about being afraid. Mm. I was afraid to hear the words of Christ because I knew he was going to be talking directly to me. OK, mm -hmm. you talk about sola scriptura. I open, open it up. Jesus is talking directly to you. You're 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 doing this. You're doing this. You can like you said earlier, Bill, you can put yourself in the position. Any one of us can of so many of the characters uh, of the people in the New Testament. Talk about that, because Jesus says so many times, do not be afraid. But I got to tell you, I was afraid. Talk about how we have to get over that. Um, get over that hump. 
Yeah, yeah. No, this is great. So you, you've heard that the, this is actually not true, but it's a cute thing that people say, do, do not be afraid. It's like the, one of the most common things said in the Bible and particularly the scriptures. There's a there's a rumor out there that it's said 365 times, one for every day. I think that's actually inaccurate. But but the point of that is is right, that a common, the, perhaps the most common injunction of Christ and, and God himself throughout all the scriptures is do not be afraid. So, um, yeah, I think why are we afraid? And in particular, to encounter God in the, in the scriptures, there's a lot of barriers or impediments to our um encountering God in the scriptures. Um, so some of them are, you know, technical. I don't make the time for it. Um, you know, I need some kind of access point to try to understand better what the stories are. You know, that's why, for instance, I think this book would help. Um, where do I start? You're right. You shouldn't start from page one and read the whole thing. I always recommend that people um, pray the gospels with the church's liturgy. So the daily gospel, that way you're, you're praying with the church. It's a, it's a right amount, you know, um, they're, they're chosen deliberately. So, so those are like technical impediments. Another impediment, especially for a guy like me, who's a cradle Catholic, is um, I just got used to hearing the Gospels and I got accustomed to, I hear the first line, I know the point. Now, you know, that, that story is about this. That story is about this. And what, what we miss so often as, as Catholics, as people of faith, is that we believe that the living God is inviting us to know him and to, to, to personally encounter him in the Gospels, that there's a real invitation here. And that's extraordinary. You know, it, it could be life-changing. So that's one of the things that makes us scared. We don't want to change our lives sometimes. But also, I think fundamentally, we don't really believe, am I really going to encounter God, the living God who knows me and loves me and loves the, the world and those around me in these stories? And the answer is yes. So if we have that kind of fundamental trust that it's God's agency, God is at work here, if we kind of like going into prayer, you don't know what to say. What do you seek? Jesus says in the gospel, you know what? Just tell God that you don't know what the heck you're doing. Tell him that you don't know what you're seeking and let him do. He's God, not you. So let him deal with that and just kind of show up and trust he's there and that you will not be disappointed. Amen, brother. Let me make yeah. a quick comment and then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Yeah. Um, I look at it this way. Some people have genuine, like, I don't want to say emotional um, an experience as far as as far as being touched by God. I, I don't think I've had that. But one thing I know is this. OK, you talked about uh, you, you, this is along the lines of what you just mentioned. But I can look back at my life and mm -hmm. know that he, although it was an act of my free will to move right. towards God. OK, mm -hmm. I know I was incapable of those yeah. decisions, that that was God's grace to give me the strength to say, no, I need to put that down. No, I need to put that down. Now I need to get married. Now I need to go in this direction and mm -hmm. that direction. And I can look back on that and say objectively, mm -hmm. that's God. Yeah. Joe, that's you, you go ahead. You go just ahead. described more clearly than any theologian could what we believe about God's grace. Because you, you said, I know it was my free will. It wasn't without me, it was my choice. But I know I couldn't have done it without God. You know, God very rarely hits people with lightning bolts or knocks people off horses like St. Paul. It does happen, and there are wonderful stories of that. But I think, unfortunately, we're we're too myopic or like we're too like short sighted in what we expect God to do in our lives. You know, by rendering ourselves open to him and trusting that he's at work, he is, you know, through other people, through our prayer, you know, through the sacraments, through reading the scriptures. So I, you just perfectly describe what we think about how God is at work in our lives. Absolutely. Professor Bill Madison is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Follow me walking with Jesus through the Gospels available at Emmaus Road. Um, Notre Dame Bookstore and Amazon. Please go out and buy the book. Uh, Joe Resinello. I want to explore the do not be afraid thing a little more yeah. because I think it's easy to say 
for all of us. Now, I want to frame it. Here you have the 12 disciples, the first 12. They witness Christ raise people from the dead, feed countless people with crumbs. They witness three of them, witness him at the transfiguration. Yet they're terrified right. in the upper room. Terrified because we're human. I get it. Now let's talk about how we deal with that. Yep. We have to trust in divine providence and those steps begin small. As a married man, we're open to life. That is a big step. Absolutely. Not being afraid. Big step. As a single man who's dedicated to the Lord, giving of your monetary resources, because you can, is a big step. As a priest, preaching the fullness and the boldness of the truth irregardless in season in and out how do you do that in steps we start to see god's providence in our life we take a chance a small chance we take a leap and god shows us that he's with us in that leap it proves to be fruitful we take another one mm -hmm. we take another one you see this is what we need to do because we all have to get out of the boat because that's where the fruit lies. Now, okay. it's easy said, hard to do. But here's my experience. When I am in the space of I know I have no control, I am not comfortable. I took that step. That's when God says, okay, Joseph, we're going to do something great. Mm -hmm. We're not willing to do that. And that goes from the guy who sweeps the church all the way up to the cardinal of XYZ, you name it. Yep. Now, we have to do that in stages and steps. And God will start to show you. Because I'm going to tell you this, and then I'll just let you comment. When you get a person who's not afraid, whether mm -hmm. they're four foot eight and weigh 85 pounds, or they're six foot nine, that is a dangerous person. I'm going mm -hmm. to tell you, that's a person, when I mean dangerous, that will shake the foundations of the world and have. That's why they call them saints. You yep. see, but that doesn't happen in a day. Talk about that because we got to work on it. Yeah, amen. I love how you said get out of the boat because although do not be afraid, it's all over the scriptures and the gospels. My favorite one by far is the Matthew 14 when Jesus walks on water. And remember, he invites Peter out of the boat, you know, and he gets out of the boat, walks on water. So why are we afraid? Like, as you said, the disciples in that passage had just seen Jesus multiply the loaves. They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him cure the sick. They've heard the Sermon on the Mount, you know. And yet um, here it is in the middle of the night, right, the fourth watch, and the storm is big. Um, and they can't, they're terrified. And they're terrified of their circumstances, despite the fact that the living God is right around them. They're terrified. And then what happens? Jesus appears to them walking on the water. Remember, they don't see him at first. They, they think it's a ghost, right? So a lot of times when we're terrified and we're kind of caught in the morass of our life, we're not seeing things clearly and we're not even seeing the hand of God stretching out to us. But then, you know, John says, no, it's the Lord. And this is where Peter gets out of the boat, right? And he basically says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And um, the, the, what I love about this passage is that this is not like, hey, prove it's you or, hey, I want to walk on water too and be like, you know, be spectacular. He's basically saying, call me out of the boat. I will walk on water. If it's you calling me to come to you, I will walk on water. 
what an amazing act of faith. Like we think of all the acts of faith of Peter in the scriptures. That is my favorite one because he basically, there's a mess. People are scared. And Jesus says, come. You know, in fact, he says, you know, come follow me. So um, Peter gets out, walks on the water. But then, so Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's walking on the water. This is amazing, right? What happens? He loses faith. He starts to look around. You know, he's, he starts to freak out. Because notice, by the way, Jesus came. They walked on the water. But he didn't kill the storm at that point. The storm's still going on. So just like in times in our lives, it's tough to find God in the storm. Sometimes the storm doesn't go away, by the way. You know, but God's with us in it. So, but then Peter, he starts to sink. And, you know, Jesus has to gently chide him. You know, why, why didn't you believe? You know, you have little faith. So what I love about this story is you've got a guy walking on the water, not just Jesus, but even like one of us, you know, um, only human, not human and God. Um, and then and and seeing Jesus face to face and even he loses faith. So Jesus has to continually beckon us to not be afraid to trust in him because we're weak. You know, part of it is our sinfulness, as you mentioned before. Part of it is our just kind of creaturely brokenness and our fears and our upbringing and our society. So we, we're people in need of salvation. And when we recognize that and we reach out our hands, amazing things can happen. We can walk on the water. But I think it's also a reminder to be merciful of one another when we do, when we are scared and weak, you know, to kind of encourage one another. Hey, don't be afraid. You know, Jesus encourages us that, but encourage one another. I want to just, Joe, I just want to talk about that for a sec, because like you said something that's so key that a lot of men won't say, because I say it all the time. I can't do that. I'm weak because we are all of us. But here's the deal. To ruin the end of the story. That's true. We have to (laughs) fill the cup with prayer. You see, and this goes to what do you seek? Right. You know, you you graduated from Notre Dame. I went to Scranton. Joe went to Seton Hall. I know a lot of very successful people, as you probably do, too. What do we seek? OK, we're Catholic. What's the goal of your life? Is it to bench press 380 pounds? Is it to be a managing director? Is it to live here? Is it for your kid to go there or is it to go to heaven? Now, right. if you acknowledge your weakness, which I do and which all people on this green earth, regardless of who you are, should, because we are all weak. What do you do about it? What's your priority? What do you seek? How do you structure your day? Are you praying? Because here's the deal. If you fill the cup with God who can walk on water, you can too. You can too. But you see, we don't, because do we really seek what God is asking, could say here. And then he gives us the example of the saints, Joseph Cupertino, a mm-hmm. dummy, a dummy who is forever remembered. Joe, don't be harsh, Joe. Don't be harsh. Listen, <laughs> Sister Alice Boyle used to call us Sister Joseph, uh, Joseph Cupertino. That's how I know. She always used to say, pray, for, pray to, for, to him, for us. So yeah. I know. So yeah. my point is, what do you seek? In that humility, because if we pray, great things will happen. We mm-hmm. will walk on that water. I'm telling you that right now. And and that's address that because I think it's a lack of humility. And then it's a lack of action, knowing where everything comes from. Grace through prayer, sacramental life, fasting, mm-hmm. almsgiving, the whole deal. Yeah. If there's anything that we get inculcated in as Catholics, it's to ask God's mercy, to recognize our brokenness. Think about how many times you do it at mass. You know, Lord have mercy. You know, we do the confidior, we bang our chests. Right before communion, we ask God's mercy all throughout the Eucharistic prayer. 
you know, kind of like the tax collector in the gospel story from Luke who sits in the back and just says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We're the haughty guy up front. You know, Jesus said, doesn't go home justified. So now we do that not because, um, you know, we're self-loathing or repressive of other people. It's because we recognize our weakness, kind of like any good parent does for a kid, in order to build us up. You know, God does want to fill our cup, as you're saying, enable us to walk on water. When we get out of the way and stop foolishly thinking that we are pridefully on our own power and without the need of others and particularly God can do great things, when we get out of our way and stop our own way and stop thinking that the, 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 the possibilities are endless. And that's exactly what the saints show us. All the myriad ways that we could live kind of shining examples of life animated by the spirit um, in everyday lives. It's not just the extraordinary ones, everyday lives that all that is possible for us if we get out of the way and kind of let God run our lives. Professor Bill Madison joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Bill, let me ask you this, okay? Let's talk about a couple of specific specific passages, okay? Yeah, I love um, We talked earlier about the mirror. God puts up a mirror. She, he loves yeah. us. He shows us ourselves and, and our faults and the things we need to improve upon. So the Samaritan woman, to me, mm. is the perfect example of, totally. of Jesus putting up the mirror. Talk about that because remember, she goes away un incredibly joyful after after this encounter with the Lord and starts screaming it to their her fellow Samaritans. Right. Talk about the talk about that story, the importance uh, of that story. I'm so glad you mentioned it. That's one of my favorite ones of all time. There's a great sculpture on Notre Dame's campus of Jesus and the woman at the well. You know, it's the longest dialogue Jesus has with anybody in all the Gospels. It's in uh, Luke chapter four. Uh, even longer than the Nicodemus one in Luke chapter three. But so think about how extraordinary this is. Jesus has not really done his public announcement of his ministry yet at this point in John's gospel. He's had the wedding at Cana miracle, but in terms of like proclaiming who he is to other people. So where does he go to kind of like the boondocks, Samaria, you know, these kind of lower people who are muggles, right? They're kind of mixed blood Jews who don't do all the proper Jewish practices. They're looked down on disdainfully by the Jewish people. Where does he, he goes out there to those people. He encounters this one woman, obviously a woman whose life is, you know, fraught with all sorts of kind of toxic relationships. You know, she's got seven husbands and, you know, she's probably going through men in a way she shouldn't have. And she's probably kind of used by men, you know, in a way that's, that's corrosive to her. So she's alienated from other people. She shows up at the well in the middle of the day when no one goes there because it's too hot, but that's where she wants to go because she's, she's hated by everybody. And this is the person that Jesus goes to encounter to kind of talk about who he is. He directly says, I am he. I am the one who is sent. And I, what I one, one of the many things I love about this story is I think one of the big impediments to our discipleship and following God is at the end of the day, we don't really think he's calling me. Not me. He doesn't know how bad I am. He doesn't know how, how much time I how often I fail. You know, me in this particular town, in this particular family, struggling with this job or in this relationship. There's no way that God, the living God who created everything, is reaching out to me lovingly to invite him to a kind of path of following him and in love with other people. And she believes it. You know, she resisted at first. There's a few lines. She resisted at first. She tries to put him off, but he wears her down, never by force, by invitation, and she accepts it. And then, like you said, she's going off proclaiming it to the towns, this woman who's rejected by everybody. And to their credit, they listen to her. They come see Jesus and they say at the end of the story, hey, we believe you. The real transformation of that story is that woman has changed into a whole new person because Christ went and found someone like totally on the margins. You know, it's an amazing, amazing story. And it's a story for you and me. 
let me let yeah. me explain because I think that this is a phenomenal story, and I can't yeah. emphasize enough how Christ goes out of his way to talk so, to someone he shouldn't have. That's right. You see, That's right. she was an outcast beyond outcast. Mm-hmm. His disciples were probably like, "What are you doing talking yeah, to totally. this woman? A man does not talk to a woman in this way." She wasn't a Jew. She was. At the well, at the tip of the day, hot as anything at 12. She was there for a reason because she was an outcast amongst her own people. You see, why do I bring this out? Because we as Catholics have to do the same thing. Francis said this and he is spot on. And I'm going to throw you some examples where we don't. I take the train. This is years ago. There was a homeless guy in and out of homelessness. His dad went to Notre Dame for a while. He was very rich. Went through a divorce. He had mental issues. He was arguably the smartest guy. I always used to tell him, Daily Dowd. Daily, you're the smartest guy in this town. He was living on the street. He used to come to our church. He would cause disruptions, mentally ill. I would have coffee with him on the train before the, we went to work. Everybody would look at me. Everybody would look at me. Mm-hmm. These are the people. Yeah. The, like, And I'm not putting me on the pedestal. Yeah, no, I got you. But this you. is what we do. Another mm-hmm. example, missionaries of charity coming into the city through the Lincoln Tunnel. All the people with cans living on the street. I say to sisters, I drive by these people all the time. They're like, let's go. Let's go. Roll up your sleeves. Feed them. Mm-hmm. See, this is what we need to do. Let people look. Let them think you're weird. Who cares? It's an mm-hmm. audience of one. We I have an advantage because people already think I'm. Well, weird, they already think I'm crazy, but, but <laughs> and, and I am. But my point is, this is what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Why the Levite? I'm not touching this dude. Right. I'm. I can't. The Samaritan does. You see, right. we have to be like Jesus in that way, and 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 face the ridicule. You're yep. weird. You're strange. Well, you know something. God was looked at as that way. He was a person. What did in, in Isaiah? He said people didn't even they despised him. I'm right. Jersey giving you the Jersey interpretation. A man that people didn't look at his face. Right. Dorothy Day said that. She said to Mother Teresa's sisters, you want to preach to people in prison? Go to prison. Mm-hmm. You see, we don't go there. We're respectable. We have to break down that barrier. Talk you about- know, we have a limited time. Let's get a comment from Bill because I want to keep diving a little bit more into the book. Yeah, great. So Bill, yeah. yeah, so gosh, I, you know, what I love that you guys are doing and these, some of these stories like the Samaritan woman is it, it's all about the particular stories. You know, it's not about like pontificating or theological stuff. But read the stories, try to see what Jesus Christ, you know, as much a man as you and I, but of course, also living God encounters people individually. So let me, a couple of my favorites to mention, like the rich young man, this has always gotten, this is one of my favorite stories. I've always resonated with the rich young man, both because I was lucky to have parents with money and because, you know, he's a good guy. Like, as he says, like, I've done all these things with my youth, but he also knows there's deeply something missing there. And um, so the story in the book is, um, is him looking back on that in hindsight, you know, years later, trying to talk about what Christ did. And there's so much in this story. But he basically says, look, at the end of the day, I was a good guy. I followed the commandments. I wasn't being prideful. I was a pretty good guy. I was brought up well. I generally did well. But at the end of the day, I didn't realize what they were all about. I didn't realize that they were about the guy standing in front of me, you know, ultimately making my life not my own, not under my control, and doing good things, not just to be seen by others, but to keep my life orderly and in control, 
really was about kind of giving my ways, giving myself away completely to God. And that's what Jesus invited me to do. And it's like, look, I couldn't do it at first, you know, but people don't realize what happened after that story, which now this is, of course, speculation. He says, when Jesus says, um, remember, he says, sell everything you can, follow me. And then the rich man says, I went away sad because I had many possessions. And then he says loudly to the people in front of him how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And then they're befuddled so that he repeats it. And he says, um, but all things are possible with God. The rich young man in the chapter in this book basically says, people don't realize this. He was still talking to me. Like I walked away from him, but he hadn't given up on me yet. He was yelling to me that all things are possible with God. In other words, I would get everything I was hoping for, but even more. And he was even assuring me that all things are possible with God. Like, I got this. I will help you out. And then he says, you know, years later, how he did come to follow Christ and give away everything. And he's still working on it and struggle with it. So what the beauty of these stories, they're inexhaustibly rich. If you imagine yourself in it and try to really attend to particular words, trust me, you will be transformed by the very presence of God. If you read these gospel passages and really trust that God is speaking to you in the particularities of your life. So that's just one example. Professor Bill Madison, let's stay there for a second. Recognizing God. Okay. Let's talk about the road to Emmaus, which is one of my oh, favorite. I love that one. One of my favorite stories. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys. Everybody's in Jerusalem. I'm going the other way. I'm going down the Emmaus road. Okay. Now they were disciples. They saw Christ. They saw what he did. Okay. And here they are. They're all befuddled. They're confused. They're like, what, yeah. what what's going on? They, they probably feel somewhat lost at that point. Okay. And Jesus comes along, right? And he starts to talk about talk about the scripture and everything else. But I want to I want to hand it over to you. They didn't see until right. he broke the bread. The importance of the Eucharist. Pope St. John Paul II mm -hmm. said, or I think Vatican II document, forgot which one. The Eucharist is a uh, source, summit, and, and center some. of the life of the church. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these men who were rightfully confused, they don't know what's going on. If that was you, me, Joe, we would have been like, yeah. what the heck's going on? But when Jesus I'm broke still the saying bread, that, Joe. <laughs> <what's> that? <laughs> I'm still um, saying that. But when they bro Jesus broke the bread, their, their eyes were opened. Talk yeah. about talk about that. Talk about yeah, that. Story. Totally. Well, three quick things on that. A, they're going away, like you said. And I think deep inside, when they encountered Christ, they didn't think that if he really remember, they say to the guy who they don't realize at that point is Jesus, oh, some women among us told us this news that he's risen. And they're still bailing, you know? And, and if they thought, well, maybe there's a chance he's risen, is he really going to come encounter us like two guys walking away from him? Like, is that is that number one on the to do list today for Jesus? You know, the day he rose from the dead to come come meet us. The answer is yes. When you're like this, like the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes, is the answer. He will. And in fact, he made it like look like he would keep walking with them if they wanted to keep walking. He basically is like, I'm with you guys till you turn around because you will. I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to encounter you enough here. You will through the Eucharist. So that's one thing. Um, second thing, why didn't they recognize him? Um, some people think it's like, you know, magic trick of Jesus or something. That, that's not right. Um, think about all the things that you don't see that are right in front of you. You know, how blessed you are to be married to the person you're married to, despite his or her brokenness. And how beautiful a gift your children are, despite their failures or not living up to your boxed in, you know, goals and the ways that in life you're, you're blessed in so many ways. We fa constantly fail to see the presence of God right in front of us. So really, when they do that, it's just a metaphor for the ways that we all do that. And they messed it up because they were caught up in their own expectations and doubts and self-consciousness. And so finally, third, like you said, how does God break through that? 
teaching about who he is, you know, first through the scriptures, which we have in the liturgy of the word and the mass, and then through the Eucharist, you know, which we have in the liturgy of the Eucharist. So relentlessly, like the hound of heaven, God seeks us out through the scriptures, you know, through the Eucharist, and eventually is just hoping that we see him for who he is, because, and when they do, they recognize it so joyfully and are so full of life. They book all the way back, right, to Jerusalem to tell the good news. So don't they that's, run? A, that's one of the best stories of all time. Don't they run? They, like, they run. They run. They, 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 apparently, they, they run. They were too tired and it was the end of the day, but apparently it wasn't anymore once they encountered Jesus, right? Yeah, because they get to the end. They're like, they kind of like, listen, uh, dude, we're, we're tired. You want to come and have right. something to eat? <laughs> we're, we're exhausted. <laughs> they turn around and they make a beeline right back for Jerusalem. That's right. Joe Restinello, yeah. I apologize for the time constraint. Quick question, and then we probably have a couple minutes for, for Bill to uh, talk about it. Well, I, I, they recognized them in the breaking of the bread. Um, I think that's important. But I yeah. like what you say. Sometimes what's happening in front of us is Jesus, and we don't see him. We mm -hmm. don't see him in our own family. We don't yeah. see him like he's there. And I believe a way to meet Jesus, and I'll just throw this at you and you can comment on it, is to reach a hand to the poor. Because Always. in the poor is God himself. And it's an indirect way for people to see and encounter the Lord. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, one of the bishops I really love, Bishop Flores, down in Brownsville, he came to Catholic U when I was there and gave a talk. And he said, there's only two ways that Jesus himself told us that we encounter him. Really, his real presence. One is, of course, the Eucharist. You know, this is my body and blood. But the other one is the poor. You know, in Matthew 25, when he says, when you did this to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. To me, you know, so I, I look, the poor and the Eucharist, it's the heart of our faith. And that's where the Lord um, is present. So if we're if we're eschewing one of those, either one, by the way, and and and, and focusing on the other or God forbid, you know, eschewing both, we're rejecting the very presence of God among us. Couldn't agree with you more, Joe. Professor Bill Madison, this has been a great, great conversation here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. So the current book that that is out is Follow Me, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospels. That's available at Emmaus Road. Publishing is available at Notre Dame Bookstore. It's also available at Amazon. If you have to buy it from Amazon, go ahead. But the most important thing is to buy the book. Bill, what else you got going on right now? Are you working on anything else? Uh, let our audience know. Maybe do you have any social media or anything like that? Yeah, doing a whole bunch of promotion for this book, which has been a real blessing. I got another book that's a more scholarly one called Growing in Virtue, Aquinas on Habit. If you care about virtues and, um, and God's grace and, and habit formation. Um, but really, at the end of the day, what I'm doing right now that um, is is most life giving, you know, besides my family and you know faith life and whatever is is um, we're trying to revamp at Notre Dame the required curriculum of all our students and really kind of make it a path for them to kind of um, un reflect on a life well lived and in the context of a Catholic mission and university. So that's what's given me most of my occupying most of my time. But let me just in case I don't get another chance, I got to tell you, not only is it a pleasure being here with you guys, but you're doing the Lord's work. This is great stuff. And thank, I want to thank you for having me and just commend you and all you're doing. You're running off like that Samaritan woman, especially you, Joe R. Oh, please. You know, yeah. I am the Samaritan. <laughs> I am a muggle. That's why. You are the Samaritan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but Bill, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate Obviously, anything you're doing, uh, needless to say, you're welcome back here at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime. It's been a wonderful conversation. We thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. You guys are the best. Peace. Absolutely. And thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 
1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Please download the app, share it with your friends. We are an EWTN affiliate, so you get all that programming and original programming, not just the front line with Joe and Joe, and please share it with your friends. And wherever you see Joe and I, Rumble, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, please like, subscribe, share, help us out. We're trying to, you know, trying to do God's work here. Uh, so let's get, you know, let's all get our voices out there, get our voices out there in the culture. So please help us out with that. And thanks once again. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. 